got a wire. Hang on. Coming up, our June Tawny Frogmouth Film and Food bonus episode. Welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roberts. And thank you once again for joining us for another Tawny Frogmouth bonus episode. I feel like I keep harping on about this, but if you're not aware, I get to write a 500 word film and food column for the local, for one of the local magazines called the Tawny Frogmouth that deliver in my area of the Northern Beaches in Sydney. They deliver 50,000 magazines into letterboxes and also publish the magazine online for everyone else to read. And I get the privilege of writing a film and food column, which is a 500 word column reviewing two movies, a TV show, and giving a recipe. So make sure you check out our other Tawny Frogmouth bonus episodes as well. And before we dive into this month's episode, I just want to say a quick welcome to the Film and Food Podcast. We celebrate all things culinary and cinematic in film. So if you're a cinephile or a foodie or both like me, this is the podcast for you. We do all sorts of episodes, including film and food reviews, where we review a foodie film or TV show, plus give a film-inspired recipe based off that film or TV show. We do fantasy film and food drafts. We do Quick Bites episodes. We do all sorts of things, so make sure you go and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you're looking for somewhere to start, why don't you go and check out our recent episode, which was my top 10 films of 2021 and our second annual film and food awards, giving out awards to the best food and drinks in the movies from 2021. This is one of my favorite episodes to do every year. I do it in May because sometimes it takes that long for films to come here in Australia and yeah, for me to solidify and watch as much as I can before I make my top 10. So definitely go check that episode out. And for now, let's dive into this month's column. So every month I have a theme for my film and food columns, and this month's theme is amazing award winners. So the Oscars just happened a couple of months ago, and I love the Oscars. There's no secret if you've been listening to my podcast that I speak about the Academy Awards a little bit. It's one of my secret passions, and if you're into film, I'm sure that you've heard of the Oscars or maybe follow it yourself. So with the recent crowning of a new Best Picture winner for the films of 2021, I thought now would be a great chance to review some amazing award-winning movies and TV shows. So in this column, I review the recent Best Picture winner, Coda, the 2009 Best Picture film, The Hurt Locker, and the Emmy Best Drama winning series, Succession. Plus, I give you a barramundi potato and goat's cheese recipe for you to try at home. So let's dive right into it. We're going to start off with the recently minted Best Picture winning film, Coda. The story of Coda is quite simply amazing. The film came out in the Sundance Film Festival, which was a mostly online film festival at the beginning of 2021, to wide acclaim winning the Audience Award, and was bought by Apple TV Plus, 
for $25 million. What's funny is, is that nobody expected this film to make as big of a splash as it actually did. Netflix is well known for collaborating and buying big potential best picture winning films and so far haven't won the best picture award and this year Apple TV Plus, a relatively new streaming service, came in and won the best picture Oscar for this film Coda. So what is it about? Well, Coda is a remake of a French film and it is about a deaf family. Well, more specifically, the Coda in that family. And that means child of a deaf adult. And so this fishing family, they live in a seaside town in Boston. So the dad, the wife and the son are all deaf and the youngest daughter herself is a hearing person. And over the course of the film, we follow the Rossi family. The father is Frank, the wife is Jackie, the oldest son is Leo and the hearing person is Ruby. And we follow Ruby as she discovers her passion to want to be a singer and how that conflicts with her plans, helping the fishing business, helping out at school, and being a support to her family. I don't want to give away too much more plot-wise about this film, except to say that I highly, highly recommend you go and check this out. It's not often lately that we've had a Best Picture winner that is so heartwarming and crowd-pleasing. And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love Nomadland and Parasite, but this is probably one of the most sweet, sentimental, heartfelt films that I have seen in a long, long time. I want to start by mentioning the performances because they are all incredible. This film won the SAG Ensemble Award for Best Ensemble, and of course it stars it stars Troy Kotzer as Frank Rossi, who actually won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar this year. It stars Molly Matlin as his wife, Jackie, Daniel Durant as their son, Leo, and Amelia Jones as their daughter, Ruby, as well as some others spread in the cast. And the performances in this film are just incredible. The choice to actually cast three deaf actors in the role of the deaf people in this film doesn't seem like something revolutionary, but was actually a decision that Molly Matlin fought extremely hard for when this movie was being developed because there has not been many roles for deaf actors in mainstream Hollywood films. The sign language in this film is absolutely incredible. The way that it is incorporated, the performance, the amount of emotion, the amount of humor, the amount of heart and passion that comes through the sign language is just absolutely wonderful to see. It is so funny and it makes this film so unique. And that's sad to say because I would love to see more deaf representation in films. And I really, really, really enjoyed everybody's performance. Troy Kotzer, of course, is probably the standout. He is so hilarious. There's a couple of beautiful scenes at the end, especially one with Ruby when she is singing him a song. And I don't want to spoil it, but that was one of the many moments that I cried in this film. And Amelia Jones is incredible, and she's got a great voice. She is able to communicate this frustrated sense of wanting to be free from the burdens of having to be a translator from her family while also deeply, deeply loving her family. (laughs) Yes, I did mention that I cried a lot in this film. The film has a special message about family. It has a special message about supporting each other, about letting go as parents when it's time to let our children do their own thing. And... It is a treat to witness such an earnest film with such a positive message about family with a script that is so nuanced and wonderful. It's set in this seaside town with beautiful imagery of the ocean and the water. 
and it's just a fantastic film that is definitely worth your time. If you want to go and check out Coda for yourself, which I highly recommend you do, subscribe to Apple TV+. They are one of the fastest growing streaming services at the moment. Give it a free trial if you do, or go buy a new iPhone if you need one and you'll get a year free. After checking out Coda, you can watch the great series Ted Lasso and all of the other good stuff that they have on their streaming platform. So definitely go and check them out. Okay, so our second review is for the 2009 Best Picture winning film, The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker is a special film in the Academy or the Oscars history. And that is because it is the first time that a female has won the Best Director Award. Which is crazy, the fact that it took until 2009 to award a woman for Best Director. Luckily, it's happened twice in a row now, with Chloe Zhao winning in 2020 and Jane Campion winning this year. But Hurt Locker has a special legacy for that reason. Hi, just popping in to say that for the next part of the podcast, we had some audio issues. The audio might sound a little bit more echoey than usual. It returns back to normal in a couple of minutes. Really sorry about that. But we hope you keep enjoying the episode. And I believe that legacy this film has is very well earned. This film stars Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie, Brian Gerrity, Guy Pearce, Evangeline Lilly and Ray Fiennes. The film is set during the Iraq War, where a sergeant recently assigned to an army bomb squad played by Jeremy Renner is put at odds with his squad mates due to his maverick way of handling his work. And this is a intense, intense film. This film grabs you by the throat at the very, very beginning with a very intense and iconic opening scene and never lets you up throughout the whole film. I was on the edge of my seat watching situation after situation, full of anxiety, nervous and stressed, wondering what was going to happen to this army bomb squad in Iraq. The film is very harrowing. It is very intense. It is very, very good though. Something you'll notice at the beginning of the film is its unique way of being shot and also being edited with this kind of quick cut editing style and this shaky cam footage. I've seen others describe it as quite amateurish. I was a bit shocked when I first saw this technique. However, I really grew fond of it by the end of the film and it really puts you in the point of view of the characters in the film and really makes you feel like you're in those situations as well with the characters and so I think it did an excellent job in that sense. It has a great score that is really brooding and just rises the tension over time and creeps into the scenes and so yeah I really appreciated how good all of the technical elements of this film are. Jeremy Renner gives his best performance as the lead Staff Sergeant William James who is this who is this sort of Lone Ranger Maverick style person who doesn't listen to anyone else. He takes insane risks and over the course of the film, you start to realize what he really believes in and loves. We find out all of these things about his personal life and it's a great portrayal of how someone could get addicted to war and how, how damaging it is for the people around him when that happens. This is unlike any other war film I've seen. There's been many great war films that have come out in the 21st century and there's been great films that have come out before then. I think of Saving Private Ryan, I think of Dunkirk and there's probably more that I'm not thinking of right now. 1917, but this film is very 
personal and it feels like very contained. Of course, it doesn't really go into the sort of politics behind the Iraq war. While I wouldn't say it's pro-war, it definitely shows the nuances of what the Americans are doing over in Iraq and how they treat the Iraqi people and maybe the unethical decisions that come along with it, as well as showing the acts of bravery that these soldiers have to do and the horrors they face uh, in the line of duty. But it mainly focuses on the characters, particularly the three people in the bomb squad, played by Jeremy Renner, Anthony Mackie, and Brian Girardi. As you start to get to know these characters, you really get in their heads and you really understand where they're coming from. And I think that's what makes this film so visceral and so powerful, is that you feel connected into the story. And yeah, I was pretty blown away by this movie. It's razor tight in its storytelling. It's really well shot and directed. And if this is something you're interested in watching, it may not be for everyone, I definitely recommend you give it a go. It's quite eye-opening and powerful, and I thought it was very, very, very good. You can watch this film in Australia streaming on Amazon Prime. Um, in other countries, you can go and check out where you can find that. So I definitely recommend you go and check this one out. It's one of the most unique uh, Best Picture wins in that it's not necessarily a film that blew everyone away in terms of its sentimentality and the feel-good feelings that it may bring, but it is just an excellent war film it's visceral and it's anxiety-inducing and tension-filled with great performances and amazing technical craft and brilliant direction. So I definitely recommend you go and check this one out. If it sounds right for you, I know there's going to be some people who won't be interested, but I recommend you go and check out The Hurt Locker. Okay, and our final review for this bonus episode is for the Emmy Best Drama winning series, Succession. Well, this is two tourneys in a row where I've had a TV series with the pilot episode directed by Adam McKay in my reviews, and it's no coincidence that I have really enjoyed both of these series. Succession started in 2018, and it's written and created by Jesse Armstrong, who also acts as Kendall Roy in the show. And the Roy family is known for controlling the biggest media and entertainment company in the world. However, their world changes when their father steps down from the company and they have to work out the plan or the order of succession. This series has an all-star cast led by Brian Cox as the father of the Roy family, Logan Roy, as well as Jesse Armstrong, as I've mentioned, Kieran Culkin as Roman Roy, Nicholas Braun as Greg Hirsch, Peter Friedman as Frank Vernon, Matthew McFadden as Tom Wamsgan, Sarah Snook as Shiv Roy, and Haim Abbas as Marsha Roy. So this show is about the 0.5% of wealthiest people in the entire world. As you watch the pilot episode, you can't help but laugh at the ridiculously lavish lifestyle the people in the Roy family live out. But you also notice another thing, just how unhappy they are and how eccentric and strange they are. How they're all desperate for their father Logan's attention and love and quite seriously, how critical and demanding and powerful their father really is. It's a damning portrayal of what the 0.5% are like, but somehow with all of this eccentric behavior and all of this just pure terribleness that comes from this family, sometimes you think, wow, these are genuinely some of the worst people that I could ever imagine. You get hooked into the show. Somehow, some way, somehow and some way, they make you care about these characters. 
And of course, that is a key measure of success for every TV show out there. It's kind of like watching a car crash in a way, in that in some sense, you want to look away and you want to hate these people. But in another sense, you are morbidly curious about and you can't help yourself and you keep on watching. The series, of course, I mentioned is executive produced by Adam McKay. It's created by Jesse Armstrong and has a strong creative team behind it. And it also features the music of Nicholas Brattel, who won the Emmy for Best Main Music Title Design for the absolutely iconic opening theme of this show. If you've never watched Succession, I have a feeling you might have listened to this music before because it is absolutely sensational. I highly recommend you just even go and watch the opening credits of this series on YouTube and check out Nicholas Patel's opening theme and you will just understand why this show is so good. Nicholas Patel is one of my favorite composers and he brings a theme here that is both melancholic and eccentric and strange and seems to be a hopeful piece but has these really dark undercurrents like it is pulling you in further and further into this crazy chaotic media family. And that's just the opening theme. He brings some amazing music into the show and the music is a character itself. Again, I think I want to be quite light on spoilers. Obviously, the main plot of the show is there's a change in the company as the father, Logan, steps down and all of the other siblings in the Roy family are trying to work out who is going to take control. And we get some quite hilarious moments, we get some quite disturbing moments, but it is absolutely fascinating to see how this family works and quite eye-opening about how we consume our media when companies like this in real life actually own a whole lot of the newspapers and TV channels where we get all of our information from. This show has three seasons out already and it's definitely worth your time. So if you live in Australia, subscribe to the Binge streaming service and you'll be able to watch that show to your heart's content. If you live in America, I'm pretty sure it's on HBO. And if you're in another country, make sure you go and find out where that might be in your local area and give it a go because, and give it a go and stick with it because I think it is a very fascinating, very well written and very well created show with amazing performances and a very, very unique premise and a show that I haven't really seen before in terms of its tone and the way that it flows. So Definitely go and give Succession a go. Okay, let's talk about our recipe for this month's bonus episode. And this recipe is a fish recipe. So we're going off the film Coda, the inspiration of all of the fish they catch as a fishing family. And I'm bringing you a very classic recipe that we have cooked in our household for ages and ages. And that is barramundi with potatoes and goat's cheese and tomatoes. This recipe is inspired by a dish my wife ate at a local restaurant in Manly where we live called The Pantry. And when I took her on the date where we confirmed our relationship was official many years ago, she had this barramundi dish from The Pantry. And together we worked out as we got married that we could make this dish at home on our own. Basically how it works is on the bottom layer of the dish, you have goat's cheese. Then you have a layer of cooked cherry tomatoes, a layer of broccolini, a layer of artichokes, then a layer of roast potatoes. Then finally, the piece de resistance, a beautiful cooked barramundi fillet on top. 
Wow, you say, that sounds quite simple. Yes, this is quite simple, but the flavors and the textures of this recipe all combine to create what is really a high quality restaurant meal in your own home. And it's extremely easy to make. All you've got to do is peel and chop those potatoes, get them roasting in the oven. Then you want to roast your broccolini and your tomatoes and your artichokes before finally you roast your fish all in, and you can do it all in the same tray. And then finally you can serve that on top of your plates pre-prepared with dollops of goat's cheese. We actually use a goat's cheese that has little bits of dill in it. And that is quite delicious. If you want to impress someone special, if you want to up your weeknight dinner game, this is such an easy weeknight dinner. It adds an element of class. It adds this beautiful flavor rich dish into your life. And I really, really highly recommend that you give this one a go. It's a different, unique dish. Maybe you might find the goat's cheese a bit strong at the beginning, but we are absolutely obsessed with it now because you get used to the flavor and it's so, so rich and creamy and delicious. So I'm confident that this will become one of your favorite recipes as you give it a go. And so make sure you go and check out the show notes of this month's episode. Go and check our social media, find that recipe, go on our website, and let us know how you went. Take a photo. Tell us what you did. We want to hear from you. Email us. Tell us on social media. We really want to hear from you. So make sure you go and check out that recipe. Okay, well, that about does it for another Tawny Frogmouth bonus episode. I really, really enjoyed watching the movies and the show. Plus, making this recipe is just an absolute favorite. So make sure you go and check out the whole Tawny Frogmouth June edition. Plus our column. All the links will be in the show notes on social media check out that recipe, go and watch and enjoy all of these award-winning films and TV shows and have a great month. We'll be back again for our July episode in another month's time. Before you go, if you enjoy the Film and Food Podcast, can I ask you a favor? Can you give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify? These ratings and reviews help us get up the rankings and into the ears of more and more people. So thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star rating or review already. Make sure you email us. The address is fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. That's fans at filmandfoodpodcast.com. And subscribe to us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What do you think of the film Coda and the film The Hurt Locker? And what do you think of the show Succession? How did you go with this recipe? Give us feedback, suggest a movie to review, suggest a TV show to review, suggest a theme for the next Tawny Frogmouth Film and Food column. The most important thing is to join the conversation. Until next time, goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs>